0: What's going on, guys? Just gotten done with a session with uh, Greg Lappin, our professor here. Um, we're doing classes every single day. You'll catch me on the mats as well, depending on the day that you get here. Um, but sessions are open between performance and recovery group and jiu-jitsu and the mats. Uh, it's really cool, man. It's it, I mean, it's, a lot of it's coming back to me. It's good to train. It's good to build that baseline of resilience. And we had a lot of people who Uh, came here during the grand opening, got a little taste, and who are signing up, including uh, Provo police officers, which is cool. It's always cool to see police officers in here training. Um, Mike Force podcast, Bert Soren is the owner of SorenX, a family-owned business that specializes in getting fit, building resilience, um, custom builds. They do a whole bunch of different builds. Um, Really good friend of mine. Somebody who puts being a father, a good husband, living that lifestyle of being resilient, um, being a good man, being a good human being. And he's one of my favorite people on the planet. We talk about uh, fatherhood. We talking about uh, hunting. We talk about a family, all the things that are important to us on this Mike Forrest episode. I hope you guys enjoy. Make sure you check out Sornex Outdoors, uh, Sornex Period. Um, it's all in the links in the description down below. Make sure you also subscribe and hit the notification tab. A lot of you guys watch this. You don't subscribe, but I wanna be able to send you out the notification when the next one drops. The next podcast you should see from me is going to be on the border um, in Mexico, uh, on the border with Texas. Because of all the things that are going on right now that aren't being reported in the national media, I hope to talk to a few experts on the border when I'm there in the first week of October. Appreciate all the support, enjoy the episode. Thanks guys. Bert Soren's in the on, in the house, in the new house, the new Philcraft uh, yeah. HQ, thanks for being here, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, a little bit about your background and then how you got into Sorenx and all the things that you do. Sure. Uh, here's, here's if you don't know who Bert, is, you should. The, the biggest thing that I've seen from you is your ability to bring people together in such a positive and impactful way. And, and that's, a, you know, a combination of being a man of God, a man of faith, being a good human being. And then also the ability to network, like being a professional. Thank you. And, and you know, it, it's reflected in your, your business and your equipment. And all the cool things we'll talk about the tomb of the unknown soldier yeah, which is a yeah. really cool story but let's hear about your background and how you get out sure so we're next.
1: sure yeah so um my dad was a, a a lifelong lifter and when he was a little kid he started building things only child mom worked all the time dad worked all the time so they basically just told him hey you're not allowed to leave the house or the yard so whereas a lot of other kids were getting this social interaction he was kind of left to his own so he would lift weights and build stuff yeah so kind of fast forward he ends up starting this weightlifting equipment and we don't recall a company it was just it was called Soren equipment out of our garage in 1980 um, when he was a PE teacher because he was teaching kids he knew or felt like they needed to strength train which was pretty far off for 1980. It was yeah. the whole little kids don't need to train, whatever. And he yeah. was teaching kids snatches, clean and jerk, stuff like that wow. in kindergarten. Wow. Because he's like, no, they need to be able to move. And now yeah. we're seeing the, the opportunity there of, of growth and gross motor skills. So he was really on that track back then. And so the school he was working at said, hey, we need some weightlifting equipment. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm kind of building some stuff. So it was a very, very grassroots start. Never intended to be any type of big business. Never, we didn't take on capital for the first 30 years. Wow. Uh, it was all self-funded. It was all just, Was he
0: just welding equipment together? Yeah, in, in the, his garage. Wow. And, well,
1: we had carport because rich people had garages. We had a carport, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know? Uh, So yeah, doing that. But then he would be a PE teacher. He would uh, get off uh, class. He would teach the weightlifting class, a jogging class. After he did bus duty, because he would make ex- he would sell his bus duty to the other teachers, so they didn't have to do it. So he would do their bus duty for five bucks a week. Wow! And so then he was just like, "Hey, I'm just going to hustle." Before the uh, steel shop would close, he would take his, his uh, FJ Land Cruiser, 1974 Cruiser. Oh, I got one of those.
0: Yeah, do you? I have one sitting oh, in my front yard. My god, running 1974. 1974. 97- what color is it? It's green. Okay, it's his, ranch green. It came off a ranch in Arizona.
1: His was baby blue. Bought it for forty four hundred bucks, uh, brand new from the from the dealership. That's what I was brought home from the hospital. I was born really? on the floorboard. You have to get one of those. I know. He sold it twenty eight years later. He oh. sold it for forty five hundred dollars, and he was like, "I made money on it." <laughs> and I'm just like. <laughs> Oh, I wish you still had that. You could
0: find. I bet you could find. I it know. A I, I
1: want to. So I know. I've been kind of digging around trying to find. It. I found the dude that we, he sold it to, and that guy sold it. You know, whatever. Yeah. But it's kind of like that's what I learned to drive stick on the whole deal when oh, I was a so kid, cool, and man. so like that was my first yeah. vehicle. I mean, you know, the, how it rattles and everything, oh, man. and how that you know. It's like, whoa, 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 it's the so wine. janky. Oh, so janky. Yeah, it's
0: like an army jeep.
1: Yeah, we used to call yeah. it Armstrong steering because you had to have oh, strong arms. So cool, you know. Man. And uh, but yeah, I could remember like every time come back from hunting and fishing trips fallen falling asleep in the passenger seat because of that yeah. rattle and that hum and that woo, 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 you know and its just so anyway so yeah so he had the cruiser he would tie steel to the top of the cruiser he'd run down before the steel shop would close bring it back home port a band whole thing cut cut apart equipment so that's how we started Interesting.
0: and um, 30 years of that before yeah it s- evolved
1: well yeah so I mean we were we started doing bigger jobs probably eight or nine years into it which is oh. I mean it's kind of funny, eight or nine years. I mean, most people don't keep up with anything for more than three or five. Yeah so uh, right eighty six eighty seven eighty eight somewhere we started getting some bigger college jobs, but still it was a one man team with a uh, seven people in the shop,
0: and you're growing up in this as a child, yeah,
1: so th- I, I, at that time, so i'm in I'm ten years old while this is happening, and so I'm a little elementary school kid and and I watch the stress of him as he's doing this. I don't understand, I just know daddy's stressed, yeah, and I hear things about different things happening, and just Wild West, man, it was just a total freaking wild west, like yeah. hit men sent out like this wild shit, yeah. So you know this goes on, and and I learn about strength training through just being around because he had a home gym, and we were he had a big group of people to come over and train, and so I was always just around it and saw men doing hard things. Was he was a strong, big, very, strapping very strong. guy? Yeah, yeah. So I he mean, was. You... He's six five. Six eight, five. Uh, yeah, he was two thirty, two forty through the eighties. He got up to around three something for a bit. Won a couple national championships, powerlifting, wow. like. He deadlifted 500 pounds uh, every year of his life for 49 straight years. Wow. Yeah, from from 15 years old wow. at like 160 pound body weight up until he was 60, I guess it would be 65, right at 65. And that year he uh, he had a stomach bleed from an ulcer from taking a leave because he's, you know, arthritis and everything like yeah. that. Well, he got a stomach, bleed. he wasn't feeling well. And he was just like, I'm just not feeling, I'm tired went to the doctor. They said his hemoglobin was super low. He was bleeding out. He's bleeding in, you know, internally. Right. So the day of his birthday where he usually pulls 500, he was just like, "Bird, I don't think I could do it like this. I don't, I don't think. And I, you know, he's like, I just don't have it in me. I'm like, the doctor told you not to really like do anything stressful. So he looks up on his phone and the force 461 pounds won nationals that year for that weight class. So he loaded a 462, pulled it. And I told him, I was like, well, dad, like, a Soren male has to pull 500 for 50 straight years. Like that just has to happen. Yeah, because that was the 50th year. Oh so my god! So I pulled it, and then I was like, "Are you cool if I do it?" And he was like, "Sure." So I did it, and then I pulled a lifetime best later that day. And then so my idiot goal was: I wanted a Soren male to pull 500 for a century
0: wow <laughs> so what was your record what was your my rate? pr was
1: 555 i hit 565 that day wow. and then the next year i did 600 and the next year i did like a 565 so i've kind of just kept it going oh wow, man that's um, impressive and so now i'm like holy crap i'm getting old so like i gotta get my son he's only 11 and i'm like all right ezra come on buddy like i don't need <laughs> you here. Daddy. daddy's gonna need you here soon like that's this is a awesome. thing so it just kind of that culture has always been there it's yeah. like i hate to say it's kind of hyper masculine like go do hard things, struggle, like in my hat, struggle well. Like life is a struggle. The yeah. key of it is to learn to struggle well. Yeah. Like that is what sets you apart. So the business has always been a struggle. It's always, you know, no business, you know, no business degrees, no business, you know, not taking on capital, just kind of gunslinging and bootstrapping it. Um, I got out of college after uh, being a hammer thrower, I walked on track and field at South University of South Carolina. I had a lifting background. I was a discus thrower, learned the hammer, had a pretty good career there. Ended up throwing professionally uh, for five years and two Olympic trials after that. So I was training. So training was life, right? Yeah. So much like yourself, like when that was your you were a professional, you know, gunslinger and what you do, like you you train it, you understand yeah. it, you know all the ins and outs of it. So it worked really well for me in 1999 to to graduate and to start working to help dad, which was, there was no, still no big goal. It was just, dad is stressed, I need to help him. Uh, So came on. The family business. The family business, right? Yeah, I'd just seen it and it was, you know, 20 something years old at the time, whatever math, 19 years old at the time. So you know, I'd seen some ups and downs and struggles and the whole thing when you're a one guy show running it, you know, and everything happening and you know bankruptcies and the whole deal.
0: Right? You're learning though.
1: You're learning. I, a lot I'm learning yeah. just just you get your ass kicked. That's all I learned in business. It wasn't about yeah. how to do business. It was make the customer happy, do whatever you have to do to make it work, and be more resilient than the next guy. Yeah, that was kind of the business lesson. Yeah. Um. So I came on, but it kind of worked out well because I came into the business at the exact time that, that mark the in like a year or two before the industry, like really started shifting towards like a functional fitness, athletic power-based stuff. Well, that was my life. That's what I was doing. It was kind of like, if you were, a sniper and then all of a sudden everything went to precision rifle. You're like, hey, this worked out. Yeah. You know, like (laughs) easy transition. It's like, cool, this is a marketable skill. Like (laughs) knowing how to power clean a lot of weight all of a sudden is a skill that because you do it in the 80s, no one gives a shit. Yeah. Now the entire world understands. Yeah. And and so like I'm coming into that like five, six, seven years before CrossFit. And so, you know, we're putting that spin on the ball within the market. And then things like CrossFit and just, you know, that just kind of shifts in in professional sports training. That was kind of the heyday of it, that early 2000s. Yeah. Just so happened I'm a 25 year old semi-professional power athlete. So it's just, I picked a good time. Perfect timing. Picked a good time. So I was able to see just different things. Uh, I'm pretty, pretty gregarious by nature. And so I think I kind of infused just a different perspective and look And also just taking all the things that pop showed me, but then I was the guy in the ring at the time. Mm. So Mm. I think unlike every other equipment company, they didn't have a guy at the top who was literally doing it every day, trying to make an Olympic team. Mm. So like my secret weapon was I was training constantly and traveling everywhere to compete. So when I would compete and whether I would win or lose, I was finding the best coaches. I would invite them to dinner, especially if they beat me, their guys beat me. I'd take them out to dinner, I'd feed them beers, and basically get them drunk enough to tell me how they're beating me. Wow. And I did that for like a decade. Wow. And so, like, but then I would take that information back and i go, oh, they're doing this exercise. There's nothing that does that. And then I would invent a piece of equipment wow. that would change the industry because, you know, what some Hungarian guide is doing on no budget, it's a really cool exercise, but there's nothing in the American market that does it. So I had wow. this interesting, like, this, this tapped into where the industry was going to go. Yeah, because you're doing the thing. Because I'm doing the thing, because yeah. I, 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 I was undersized for my event. So I was having to figure out how do I flip over every stone and overcome maybe some genetic deficiencies or developmental deficiencies or, or experiential, like how do I hack the system? Mm. So my my goal became, how do I hack the system? And later I became a Highland Games professional. Mm. Well, the average Highland Games pro top 10 guy at that time was 6'5", 287 average wow. in the top 10 guys. I was 6'3", 240. Yeah. That's hard to be in the top 10 when those are the average guys. So I'm like, how do I, how do I start winning? And yeah. so it was like, okay, and then we we tweaked with different training modalities and building specific equipment to, then it just became a, a, a mission set, right? Yeah. It was how do I solve these problems? Mm. And um, so that mindset started getting infused more into Sornex. and so that was when some things started ramping up, taking the stuff Pop showed me, I, was, I had my finger on the pulse of that world. And then, you know, I would say it goes to about 2008 to 10, I'd been there for ten years, and you know we we're struggling like every other business still, because even if you have good ideas, it doesn't yeah do much, right? yeah, and then one day I brought my staff, and I only had seven people and and I was just frustrated, you know, and it was we were starting to pop within the industry, and some different companies were copying what we were doing, or just like and it sounds it sounds kind of like egotistical. But i knew what we were doing or i felt what we were doing was was very um was different than what the rest of the the industry was doing and i was pissed because i'm like we should be like the guys like we should or at least be getting a fair shake in this thing Mm -hmm. and it's just like i felt like shit you're still the guy out in the you know out in the parking lot you know playing when you should be in with the band yeah yeah and it was like and i told the guys i was like hey Let's give it the next three years of our lives and let's just dive in whole head and don't worry about the time clock. Like no, one's going anywhere. Call your wives, call your girlfriends. Like we're going to do this for commit, commit, ultra commit for three more years. And at that point we'll either have on the track to where we think this company could be, or we'll run the son of a bitch into the ground in two years but one of the two will happen <laughs> <laughs> and then at least we could go get real jobs. Yeah. We'll be young. We'll be we'll young. Know. We'll, we'll know at least. Right. I, I just thought about, it. I was like, you know, I think I was maybe 30 ish. And I remember going, what if I'm 40 or 45 and I, and I pussy footed around and didn't take the shot. Yeah. And then at 45 you realize I wasted another 10 or 12 years before I put the foot to the gas and missed the window, missed the wave. and, because it was always kind of early days it was playing that safe play you weren't taking on any capital you were just slow growing it it was a passion project conservative being conservative right and so it was like all right we're just gonna we're gonna gas this thing up and everyone i was like hey there's seven of us here so if you need to get off the boat now's the time to do it but if you show up monday like that's kind of you're you're on the boat you know and everyone's like let's go i'm like all right. So Everybody stayed in? Everyone stayed in. Wow. Now impressive. Yeah. Now, not every one of those people are still here ten or twelve years later because yeah. life is life, right? Yeah, yeah. But it was really cool those people just threw it and were like, all right, and they were all bought in, they were bought in culturally. They they were they were a part of doing things that you could see like this is different and not only different, but this is good for the industry. We're not just attempting to make money. We really feel like we're helping push this thing along Mm. but you know it just took years of going and it's still people like dude you guys blew up i go you mean like the last 15 years of just grinding
0: our faces off like yeah wild (laughs) like people i love that uh perspective of people where they think Oh, man, you just blew up. Like, how'd you do? I'm like, okay, so you, you, do you have a few hours? Do you have a you few, know, right. Let's go through it. And, yeah. and and people, especially now, want instant gratification. Oh. And so they start a startup and they're like, I deserve to be where you're at. It's like, man, be willing to work. Like a decade plus. Like a decade. Yeah. Like a decade. A minimum of a decade.
1: Yes. And, and that's where that 10-year that kind of rule, I've, I mean, I'm, I didn't come up with it, but everything I was ever good at, generally took about 10 years yes, whether same. it was archery or shooting or hunting same. or lifting or yeah. throwing or business or it was like, spouse yeah all of <laughs> yeah. the i'm like yeah. at 13 years i finally kind of not horrible at it yeah and so that's where it's like hey man get over the three-year plan the one year plan like all those are waypoints, points man yeah. if you can't do three years standing on
0: your freaking head Yep. like that's a easy that's a drop in that's the a drop
1: in the bucket oh, right gosh. It's, it's like hey we got to do a five-click movement okay
0: yeah let's do it right now
1: let's do it right now because if you get tired of that like <laughs> yeah don't even strap up your shoes man like don't even think about oh, it anymore. it's a long game it's the, it's the super long game but everyone now thinks you have to have this like hyper growth yeah great we had hyper growth for eight or nine straight years yeah by the definition okay cool great but it was still like eight or nine years of grind yeah and that was after 10 years of grind. I
0: mean, this is my 24th year. And there's no moment. There's not like a no. pinnacle. You're not looking for the moment where you go, okay, we're done, we made it. It's like, no. this is a journey and a process. It's, it's, yeah,
1: you, you just, you're clocking in for life. And I tell people, I don't have a job. I get paid every couple of weeks for my life. Mm-hmm. It's, that's good and that's bad. Yeah. Because that means if I'm awake, I'm on. And that's a very Sam, hard, yeah. right. You get it. You yeah. are Fieldcraft Survival. Yeah. Fieldcraft Survival is Mike Glover. Yeah. You know, people are like, what are you, what's your exit plan? Are you going to sell one day? I go, I don't even know how that would work. Yeah. I, I, I'm so far from understanding what that means. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm probably just going to go back to work.
0: Like you <laughs> can figure out those
1: logistics. What Or you would work.
0: start something else. Yes. That would just create the same passion, drive, and Correct. purpose. Correct. Correct.
1: Yeah. And so that's what I look at. It's like the passion you have to have, in my opinion, you have to have the passion. You have to have it so ridiculously high that it creates the ability to be resilient because it's going to take you that eight, nine, 10 years, whatever it is and being kind of interested in it is going to go about two or three. Yep. But like when it's not fashionable, it's not fun anymore. All that other shit that comes with it. Now you have to be so passionate that it, that you're eight, you're still like, no, this is rad. Yeah. This is, this yeah. is great. This yeah. is, and you're like, Hey, look, we, we got better. You're like, cool. Anyway, let's just, let's just keep going. (laughs) Right. And so the 10 year points, that's where I look at, I go, most people in sport or business, I think one of the biggest things in business and I, and I'm not, I'm not a good business person. I'm just, I'm here still basically, which I survived. Right. Which is probably much like, and I would assume you're training the special forces. It's an attrition training. Yeah. The guys that are at the end, get to be on the team. Yeah. It's a long game too. It's the long game. Right. And so that's where I see is like the biggest thing for being good at anything. It probably resilience is the biggest factor. And I don't think of myself as overly resilient, but I guess the tail of the tape says I'm either stupid enough or I'm tough enough, Yeah. but I'm fine with either. Yeah. And, but I think a part of it goes back to it's what I love. It's who I am and you don't stop at life. So if this is what life looks like, then just keep showing up and keep swinging. And you're gonna, in a 10 year point, if most people quit in three, that means in my opinion, mathematically, you're gonna be three point something times better than most people in the industry. Yep. Cause you've just put in more experiential time. Yeah. When everybody fell off. When everybody fell off. And that's what I saw in throwing and everything else like that. It's like, hey, you do this for 10 years, you lift a bunch of weights, guess what? You'll be freaking strong. You're gonna throw far. You're gonna do like, you shoot a gun or shoot a bow for this month. You're gonna be just good at it. Yeah. Or, yeah. or probably go do something else by that time. Yeah, you know. So that's kind of the the story of Sornex in a, in a nutshell to an extent. But you know, and then things really started catching on, and then we actually started like understanding marketing and and a little bit of media, and and then got really a little bit of success. Got us more bold to say, well, let's do the things that we always thought were wrong with the industry, and let's change it from the inside mm-hmm. because. You know, it's one of those until you've had some success, no one really cares if you're doing something different. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're like, oh, that's just that weirdo dancing in the parking lot. You're like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but once you start having some success and they go, oh, you guys did uh, so-and-so weight room. You guys did this other weight room. Then it's like, oh, you guys must kind of know what you're talking about. Mm. And then you could kind of go, good. I'm going to shift it a little bit. I'm going to shift the party a little bit to more just... Frankly, what I believe the industry should have been more of, mm. and is that egotistical? I don't know. Like it's working well. It's right. If if you go to a party and everyone has a weird vibe, well, you just start being the change. Yeah. And then a couple of people are like, "Hey, man, Mike's really fun to hang out with," just and you're with laughing. The They're hanging out, and then everyone in the room's kind of having a good time, and it's like, "Cool, we changed the vibe in here." Yeah. But you can't do it from outside. Yeah. You know. And so that was. I think what we kind of were able to do, and then, you know, in the last six, seven years, have we been super blessed? Just like people like yourself uh, have just believed in us and given us these super cool opportunities. You know, I, I pinch myself all the time. I'm like, yeah, you know. At one point, we, we we said, you know, again, not egotistically, but it was just like looking. We're like, we're we're kind of becoming the go to guys for the go to guys. Yeah, like people who can afford anything but to lose. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, and like in one week we had, uh, your former place you worked, Mm -hmm. the one in the Navy, Mm -hmm. the Patriots, the Lakers. Wow. And Bezos. Wow. And I'm like, huh? So like the best of all the entities, that's really all called in a week
0: wow that's really and i'm just impressive. like huh <laughs> we must this, be doing something this right? is weird <laughs> <laughs> this is really strange how
1: this <laughs> happen? yeah and, kinda like, and you kind of like you're like oh that was wow that was super cool and you're like okay you kind of stop everything you go what are we doing right now mm. what it what is so helpful and valuable like let's take like a screenshot of this moment not for mm. posterity but to kind of like after action it and go mm. what helped us get to this point what made so-and-so believe in us what made it, do they still believe in us after the fact like mm-hmm. the after action is, but
0: it's you that's what it is you know i like when i engage with you at um sig at the sig hunter games yeah it's you man you have this you know i've been told and to sound egotistical about it but um i've been told the same thing in a similar way you have a certain energy and and uh, you certainly do no question i can't i can't remember who it was that just was saying this recently it might've been a, it was a podcast. I think it was Chris Williams' podcast. Mm-hmm. And he was talking to a guy about the the, the energy of people. Mm-hmm. And there's people who kind of suck energy away. Sure. And there's people who, when they walk in the room, everybody just gets energized, right? Mm. And it's either positive or, or negative or, or neutral, right? right. And, and most of the people that I, I interoperate with, because it's just an association, it's neutral. Mm-hmm. But when you go and interoperate with high level players like yourself, like Andy Stumpf, sure. like Evan Hafer. There's something magical about that. But also um, it's not addictive, it's um, compelling because it makes you want to be around that more. Yeah. It yeah. makes you more energized. 100%. So when I'm around you, I go, man, that made me feel good. I got more energy. And then I elevate and then my company elevates or the people
1: around me. And elevate. then we play off each other because 100%. as you
0: elevate, I elevate. And I'm like, yeah. same
1: thing is like, you know, I'd seen you, you know, on, social media, whatever, but it was like, it was just weird. Like I saw you, I was like, there's Glover. I've been wanting to talk to him. And I remember yeah. the second I shook your hand, it was like this this energy raised. I same. was like, oh, frequency, this is cool. Yeah, this same. is someone I want to spend more time with. This right. is really, and that's kind of what we talk about, like at Sornax Outdoors, we call it the thin air, deep water. Mm. And the idea of it is, and again, and please, I don't want anyone to feel like this is an egotistical, it's just, it's observation. Yeah. is. As you go, as or my experience is, I shouldn't say everyone, as I've gone through life, the more I've been successful and the more places I've found myself, the more interesting the people are higher up that mountain. And I don't mean like a socioeconomic level, it's just from an extraordinary side. Yeah. And it's interesting because I keep running into like the same people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like like yeah. you you go up this mountain and you're like, man, this is freaking rat. I saw that guy like last week on a mountain. And then you're like, oh, right. There's just people that are special. Yeah. And and it's not, is it developed? Is it just God given? Is it just a frequency thing? Did they vibe on something that is a positive, like you're certainly one of those people, you know? And, and like like Evan and freaking like, uh, like Jack, my, Carr. Jack Carr, Zach Brown, like guys yeah. like that. And you're just around them and you're just like, you're just like, I want to go get life right now. But it's funny when you start kind of doing the after action you're like all the same people like there's like and the groups of course like intermingle but that's the thin air and i go oh is it like is it difficult to breathe that thin air up there but the people who can are very capable they're very interesting interesting and so that's what i kind of like go oh he's he's a thin air breather too like he or she Allure's there, a Zaire, perfect example. Mm. Just a different animal. A Brian Peters, a yeah. different animal. Animals. Animals, yeah. And you just go, you're such an interesting creature. I want to be around you. And I want to pour into your life and show value and try to help you on whatever voyage that you're in right yeah. now. Because I want to be front row seats to it. I don't need credits. Yeah. I just want to see you succeed. Yeah. And that's cool that you feel the same way about me. That's great. Yeah. And then, so there's the thin air side. The deep water side is to be good at anything, I fully believe you have to immerse yourself so far down the rabbit hole that you lose sight of daylight. Yeah. That you go so I mean, I'm sure when you're on multiple selections, like you were you were half person after a while. Yeah. You were you were in it, right? Yeah. What and again, whether it's, you know, high level sport lifting, blah, blah, blah. blah name a million things. The John Dudleys of the world in archery. Yeah. yeah. That guy he is he's so down far down the rabbit hole in that or the best jujitsu guys, like mm-hmm. they are so in that. And that's where I kind of look, I go, oh, from thin air to deep water, those are the the two poles that I find super interesting in people. And usually the people that are willing to go deep water are the ones who keep finding, breathing the thin air.
0: Is that the concept behind Winter Strong and some of the concepts?
1: Yeah, to an extent. It was, it was, so Summer Strong was actually my dad's birthday. So we started as his birthday party 16 oh, really years cool. ago. And I was like, hey, what do you want to do? He's like, hey, let's invite some guys over to lift. Let's cook. Let's have some some drinks and just have fun. I was like, OK, cool. We opened up the gym, 38 people or something showed up the first time. It just worked out. It just worked out. And But what was really cool is something that taught me a lot. You had professional strongmen, professional uh, Olympic weightlifters, powerlifters, sandbag, you know, all these different modalities. And they all showed up and everyone's kind of like looking at each other for a minute. Like we are all, it's kind of like a six, six action shooter guy and a shotgunner and a rifle guy and a carbine guy. And then one guy just started doing his thing and everyone started learning from that person. And then like an hour later, literally Josh Hankins started doing sandbags. And then all of a sudden you're watching Olympic lifters do sandbag training. Strong men are starting to do sandbag training. And like an hour later, it just kind of shifted one of the Olympic lifters started doing some stuff and then everyone kind of did his thing. And then later on some strongmen were walking the yoke outside and then everyone started trying strongman training and then power lifters started squatting later on. And I watched, I go, Oh, bring dissimilar pe- dissimilar modalities together with a similar mindset. And back then it was more, I look at it it was deep water people in their own things. Mm. they all could breathe the thin air and you put them in a room and you shake the room and you step back. Wow. And what I watched was a beautiful symphony of no egos because the power lifter, he wasn't trying to compete with the sandbag guy. He was mm. trying to learn from him. Mm. He was like, I could squat 800 pounds, but you could do this crazy thing with a sandbag. Teach me how to do that. Wow. And so it started growing into that over the years. And then what I would notice was like, it's kind of my, my thought of like, Military guys, although they like each other, they're not impressed with each other. I've found. Always.
0: Right? Right? Like or at at least they'll never admit. Correct. Yeah. Like a SEAL's never gonna go, that ranger's awesome. Yeah, that's (laughs) never gonna happen, right?
1: Same thing for athletes. Yeah. Like a football player is like, yeah, he's all right, you know? (laughs) And so I watched our strength training, but what I what I did notice was a world champion shot putter is really interested in this Navy SEAL. Yeah, and this seal is really interested in this guy because there's no competition. They're both super extraordinary, deep water, high, you know, high uh, uh, thin air people, and they can learn from each other. Interesting. So the the plan was: how do you take as many disciplines from a, a capable, strenuous pursuits, put them together in the same room, have speakers that are transcendent in different places that take take the the person that's there, the 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 person who's at Summerstrong to different places and you kinda craft it out almost like a movie it yeah. has to go up it has to go down it has to, it's like a you know we we build it out almost yeah. like a symphony of like I was gonna say
0: you get to orchestrate the oh whole for thing. sure
1: yeah, yeah i'm going okay this guy's gonna be transcendent he's gonna be heart yeah. this guy's gonna be a body guy this guy's gonna be really heady this and so we'll just move it up and down yeah because i've screwed up before man i did three heart guys in a row <laughs> it was like watching schindler's list man like people were just like i can't take anymore and i'm like <laughs> okay We got to throw a guy that's just going to work people out in the middle of that, or we're just going to have people hiding in the dumpster. (laughs) (laughs) It was wild. So we had some misses. Oh, man. So six years ago, a few of us were like, man, like we need to do Summer Strong more often because it was like it becomes like a group therapy, family reunion, TED talk. Like that's like our thing. Because you just do it on your farm. Well, summer strong, we do at HQ. It's our, our gym. Mm. So it's 700 people. It's like, it's oh, wow. like a weekend, like a wow. whole thing. Right. <clears throat> so a couple of like the inner circle was like, man, we need to do it again. We need to do something called, we need to do winter strong. And all my buddies were wanting to do the same thing as summer strong, just during the winter, mm. basically. So we could all get together and hang out again. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, ah, and I didn't tell anyone, I was like, I don't like that. I want it to be different. Well, summer strong needs to be summer strong. But then I was, I, of course I love the outdoors. I love strength training. And I started thinking about my phone. I was like, ninety percent of the people in my phone are either thin air, deep water people in one of two pursuits. They're either athletics or they're outdoors people. Yeah. Outdoors and I'll throw in military into that Yeah, kind of yeah, world yeah. too, right? And I what I look and realized, I go, but these two groups don't know each other mm. as much as they I could think they could. Yeah. Because in my opinion, if you're into sports, you probably grew up maybe urban or or suburban, Mm -hmm. you grew up in a gym, you grew up on a a athletic field. Mm -hmm. During the fall, you were playing football, you were doing like Mm -hmm. all these, those type of recreations, or you grew up in weightlifting, whatever. So you're really good at that, but most of those guys know very little about the outdoors and natural world, which Mm -hmm. I so love. Mm -hmm. And then I saw a lot of people in the outdoors world and military world strength training, and I go, they're doing it okay but I got the world's best guys in this pile. Mm. Why don't these guys listen to those guys and those guys learn something from these guys?
0: Mm. It's like a knowledge transfer. Correct,
1: a dual proposition of like, hey, we wanna teach you some rewilding because you've been in a Mm. football helmet your entire life Mm. and been in a gym or a basketball gym. Like I wanna teach you primitive skills and outside stuff Mm. and all these things these people just live on. And these guys, if you wanna be more durable and all these other things, why not listen to a guy who's a world champion and trained 10 Olympians? Yeah, And so it's like kind of a, I'm gonna bring my two friend groups together But under the caveat is we're going to do it at my farm. We're going to everyone's going to camp out. It's going to an immersion event. We're going to pick the crappiest weekend of the year to do it. Mm. It's going to be February in South Carolina, which you would not think is miserable, but it is. Oh, cold and miserable. Cold and miserable.
0: It's 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 humid. Yeah,
1: you remember like the Fort Fort Bragg nonsense. It's similar, right? Brutal so you're going to camp out you're going to do it we're going to cook we're going to do field skills whatever but we're also going to do strength conditioning so it's going to be the those two groups coming together and if, as you well know in a hunt camp you get you hang out with people for two or three days there's some real stuff that starts to happen so that was winter strong one it was always just kind of kept it low key it was invite only like hey let's just see it how, how it works because it was you know you have guns you have bows you have some beers at night like that was one of those you got to keep that one pretty tight you can't just start yeah, yeah. come yeah. one come all It's like yeah. oh boy you can have some weird stuff go down <laughs> you have a derby going on yeah so that was how winter strong started and it, we're i think we just did year five or six but it was um it was, was super cool. I know DD came out this past yeah. year and, yeah. and it was, you know, we need to have you come out. I some, can't I wait. Think I, you'll,
0: I, I want to commit. And but
1: co- that's kind of how that worked out. But that's kind of my pet dream of now that I'm no longer trying to make a steel ball go really far f- from my feet. Mm. Like I have to train for something. And it's like, why wouldn't I train for the thing that I takes up a lot of bandwidth in my head, which is hunting and the outdoors and stuff. So then not that I'm the first person by any stretch of imagination to compare to, Put those two together but i think i'm one of the first people to have the level of friends in both
0: yeah you, you seem know. like you're connected like i feel like if i needed to connect with somebody it would be you because you're like the center of gravity for a lot of people <laughs> well, and those connections I, not far off what, what does that come from is that is that is it was your dad that way, was, did you yeah. grow a family that way?
1: um i think i just i'm super attracted to extraordinaryism mm. like extraordinary people usually bring extraordinary experiences Mm. and so if if someone is resonating on this extraordinary level it's it's like a drug Mm. it's it's addictive kind of like you said it's like almost this wow i want to celebrate that person but i also want to like learn that skill Mm. like why is someone so good or so different or so Again, Laura Zera was a perfect example. Yeah. I got introduced to her five or six years ago at shot show. So different. A friend of mine said, "Hey, you ought to meet this girl, Laura. I won't be out there to introduce you. Here's her number. If you're out at shot, y'all to y'all to hang out." I'm like, mm. "Okay." Hey, I'm going to go to dinner. You want to go hang out? And then of course I tell my wife, I'm like, "Hey." I'm going to go to dinner with this rando girl, <laughs> just letting you know. Yeah. And then Laura and I are like walking around like, Hey, you want to go like walk around look around? She's like, yeah. sure. It's 50 degrees outside, you know, cause shot could be
0: cold. And she's wearing Ranger panties.
1: Totally wearing, she's wearing tights and a tank top. And as a gentleman, I'm like, Hey, do you want to wear my jacket? And she was like, no, I like being, I like being uncomfortable. And I'm like, you're different. <laughs> yeah. You know? And then so we started talking yeah. and all this. And then that night I was like, I want you to speak at Summerstrong, And she's like, I don't know what that is, but okay. Yeah. And, and she then, would show up and she showed up yeah. and she just blurred the doors off of everybody. And that was like, what, and the it's world? not
0: a gimmick. It's real.
1: No. And then like, when she, then she lives she, in a
0: tree. She
1: lives in a tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then she came down to South Carolina. I was like, Hey, I got to go check some, some hunting stands down in a swamp. She's like, okay, cool. Takes off her shoes. She's like walking around. I was like, Hey, by the way, we have a lot of poison snakes. Probably keep an eye out. She's like, awesome. And she's in bare feet. I'm like,
0: i mean like she sne- wants it.
1: Yeah, I'm in snake boots <laughs> up to my knees, right? Yeah. And then I'm like, by the way, that's all police are. She's like, yeah, I know. She's like, I love how it itches. And I'm just like, you're just different. Yeah. Right? And
0: she likes that. She totally likes it. She's the gal on uh, Naked and Afraid who destroyed the men destroyed them. that hawaii episode where that guy's like yeah he's like burned and she's out eating lobster <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like hunting lobster and eating lobster on the uh, she's like yeah this is easy yeah
1: she has like Crushed the highest it. highest personal survival rating of all time oh, on yeah. any show she's
0: she crushes yeah it. she went so
1: right before she went to alaska we were talking and then you know and she called me when she got back i was like hey you're alive you're good she's like yeah almost got eaten by a bear but She's like the funny part is is like I gained twenty two pounds going into it and I only lost like nineteen or whatever. She's like, it was honestly too easy. I cried when I left because I didn't want to leave. <laughs> She's like, we were making uh, uh, what was it like cranberry or raspberry compote on top of our salmon. And feeding it to the camera people because we had so much food that we had made. She was like, We were literally <laughs> making meals for the camera people. I was just like, You're a savage. She is so awesome. She is just ridiculous. Yeah. So, like those yeah. are type of people, it's just like, I want to just drill in and go, I want to see how everything works. Mm. What makes you tick? Why does this tick? And then I I I think I have a gift for learning f- through people's experiences. Yeah. And that has saved me a lot of heartache because I generally don't have to make a mistake if I watch someone else make it. Yeah. Um, And my dad is actually, he always talks because we're big hunters and he always, his, one of his mentorships was, especially as we got more successful, he's like, big buck doesn't walk across the field in the middle of the day. And it's just kind of that, Hey, a big buck knows he's a big buck. He didn't get big by being stupid. Mm. And once he realizes what kind of antlers he has, you're not going to see him doing dumb things in the middle of the field. They don't do dumb things. And so that's something I've always remembered in business and things like that. Like, don't go do dumb things. Mm. And, but watching people, I could listen to their story and go, Oh, I don't have to go do that now. I know how, I know how this plays out, you know? And so that's where I love talking to super interesting people because you, you basically hack the system. You just, you download everyone's data yeah, and you no, go, this is great now is
0: readily available right now, readily
1: available. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, this, so that's kind of like the summer strong, winter strong, next outdoors is really just kind of a pet project that, you know, it's that's where I love fell in love with field craft survival. Cause you guys have done like the, the ethos and what you're doing was all this stuff that I was attempting to do as a kid or my dad was teaching me and, and, but you guys have put it in a program and you're making it available mm-hmm. for everyone that's, you know, dad wasn't reading the Foxfire books and showing them all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, we would have a, when I was probably 10, 12 years old, he would put a pile of gear out. When I go over and stay his house, cause I was, you know, uh, parents were divorced. I'd go over every other mm-hmm. week, you know? And so I go there and there'd be like a pile of gear, axes, saws, like the whole of the crap, right? And he would be a scale beside it and maybe it was how much can you fit in a bag or how much can you take 12 pounds or 15 pounds or 10 Mm -hmm. pounds. And so then you had to start like early problem solving of, oh, I could use this for five things. I could only use this for one. So Mm -hmm. I need to leave that back. That's lower priority. This is a redundancy I do need to spend weight on. This is, and so like my early problem solving skills at nine and 10 and 12 years old were like- From your dad. From my dad, like those were the things, or it was like, here's a number 10 can like 10 can, mm-hmm. put whatever you can in that. And that's what you have to camp with. Yeah. And then you realize yeah, like, I Oh, I that. could use the can as a stove. I could use yeah. the can as a, this and as that. And then, so a can opener is a really good thing to put in there. Yeah. And so you could cut, <laughs> you know? And so like, that was so invaluable as a kid. Like we never had video games. I've never owned a video game since the original Atari. Wow. And so it was always like, you come home, you, you're you you're allowed to play with any guns you want. You have to confirm that they're unloaded first and when you're done, you have to clean them. Mm. So it was like, hey dad, I wanna, can I see the 458 win? He's like, sure, I'd have to check it. I'd have to confirm. I could run around the house and dry it everything I wanted. But when it was done, I had to do a full clean of it. Wow. So it was respect of that. And it, I realized like, I'm not gonna go do something stupid. Because I got, I got to actually clean it afterwards. There's consequences. There's consequences, consequences, right? But then that was never uh, guns weren't ever like, Ooh, like it was, you could, you could play or mess with them anytime you want, as long as you ask me, but it's your ass if you don't.
0: Mm.
1: And so it's like, well, that's an easy one. Mm. So the answer is always yes. If I ask, and if I don't ask, I'm it's, it's a spanking. So, okay, this is really easy. So the same with my kids, I've taught them since they were two or three years old was, and I would test them. I would, of course, unload a gun, whatever I'd laid it on the ground. Same. Man. And they'd walk by and like, Ezra, what's that? And he's like, gun. And I was like, what do you do? He goes, tell daddy. I go, right. And yeah. I go, and so now it's yeah. not an issue. They, they see guns going in and out, probably much like your kids, yeah, going into that house all the time. And it's like, it's almost annoyance. Yeah. Don't they're, make
0: it a novelty because that's just, how kids get interested. They want, they're yeah. really curious.
1: But now finally, just this year, my 11-year-old's like, daddy, I want to learn about guns. And so I gave him a gun book. And so he went in there. He's like, do you have something that looks like a Luger? I like the way those look cool and then so we would go you know i have a little gun room and we go in there and i'm teaching bolt action lever action and I'd go, i go at, at that age i knew all that but he just wasn't interested nor already so i wasn't going to push it but now he's like well what about this what does this do and so we'll go through a full thing and he's like now he'll ask hey can we go look at the guns yeah sure and so so awesome it's 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 neat because as a gun and guy like part of me, like my heart was broken when he wasn't interested in it. And like, or my kids, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is what I wanna do. And you know, I had something six or eight months ago, my oldest, I mean, it, it hurt. It it was like one of the, you know, so I asked my son last fall, I said, hey buddy, you know, this was like a Sunday afternoon. And I was like, hey, I'm gonna probably go hunt this afternoon, you wanna go? And he's like, no, nah, I don't wanna go. And I'm like, hmm. I was like, well, it ought to be pretty good. He's like, and he just looked at me, and goes, daddy, I don't really don't like hunting. I'm like, oh, okay. He goes, I'm not trying to be mean. I just, I just, I don't really like guns and like, I don't really like hunting. He's like, don't be mad. And I'm like, nobody. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm inside. I'm like, <laughs> no. you know? And I go, well, why is that, bud? And, and it, and it still almost chokes me up. Still, he goes, because hunting means you leave.
0: Oh. So he uh, associates that with you being gone.
1: He associates when he wakes up in the morning and I'm already gone. Oh.
0: Oh no! Right? Oh, that breaks my heart. Yeah, and I go, <sighs> and I get that because most guys, when they grow up hunting, and I mean they're in the household hunting, they're leaving the kids behind. Sure, and, and you know it's like dangerous, liable. Yeah, yeah. You go elk hunt; it it's
1: a week. Then you do oh. this, and it's so it's like, oh, how long are you gonna be? You gonna be in Utah for how many days? Oh, oh no. And then you know, yeah. come home, and then maybe maybe I'll only go to the farm and hunt two hours. Yeah, but I'm either missing dinner or I'm missing breakfast. Yeah, you know. And then so when he wants to mm-hmm. play and color and be a little kid, it's oh, just daddy's not here. He wakes up at seven o'clock in the morning, asks mommy. Oh, daddy's hunting. I come back at ten or eleven in the morning, maybe have lunch, take an hour nap or two because I've been up since four, play with him in the afternoon. But he hears. You rather do that. Uh, yeah. Interesting. How do you fix that? How do you come up with a I had to metabolize it. I had to first of all, hey, I understand. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're but right. now
0: he's of age. You're just right. Spend more time to You're like... right.
1: Now this was only eight months ago. He just wasn't yeah. into it yet. Uh-huh. He just kind of it wasn't his thing. And then I asked him a little bit more and he goes, Well, he goes, I don't think we you know should, you know, kill animals, blah blah blah. And I'm like, where's this coming from? Like came from somewhere, right? Came from somewhere, had to come from somewhere. Yeah. So he was reading like these Ranger Rick magazines that were like more environmentalist versus conservationist. Yeah. And so it basically painted everything as everything's endangered, you know? And I was like, I had to like unwind a lot of this buddy. I'm like, hey, you know, do you notice that when we eat venison, like almost every day, do you know where that comes from? Like, do you know that I see 300 plus deer a year and I shoot three, mm. you know? And so we had to kind of talk it through. He's like, yeah, but so-and-so, so-and-so, this is dangerous. I was like, no, nope. I had to show him the numbers. And it was weird having this conversation, wow. but it was kind of like this conversation you kind of see happening in today's society yeah. and you almost already see like this, False narrative being pushed yeah. to an 11 year old kid whose dad is a big hunter. There's a gazillion mounted everything's around, and he's hearing, yeah. "We shouldn't do this." And you and,
0: caught it on day one. Imagine ten years. Oh my later. gosh,
1: it would have been wild. Yeah, and and then so, so what happened? And I and I know you know probably Scott Ballcourts and from Ballcourts and Firearms. Mm-hmm. So I bought one of those little little NV nine inch little deals and little 22, and so he he didn't like. He didn't, my son didn't like the the recoil and he's a little bit on the spectrum or at least was at one point. So they have a, a what they call a, a, the prims, the primitive reflexes. So yeah. if someone has not worked through those primitive reflexes, he's through them now. He
0: still has a flinch response. Flinch
1: response, yeah, yeah exactly. So that was one of, the, one of the tests. You could walk behind me and go, hey buddy, I'm about to clap my hands. And he goes, okay. And you clap your hands and he would still respond. Yeah. You know? And, but what they said was very interesting. You very well may know this. But they said that is the foundational base of how you deal with um with, with surprises in life so your 16 years old girlfriend breaks up with you for no reason it, it triggers the same response mm-hmm. because you didn't know it was coming and so until you get those prims taken care of like that's going to be a, mm-hmm. a foundational building block so anyway we worked through some of that but the the recoil still was just like he wasn't having it which is really weird because we'll wrestle and my gosh, that kid is so tough.
0: Loves getting hit. Loves getting yeah. like just. My just, boy too, I, you, oh. I, you, you could open and slap my boy and he's like, okay, let's go. Exactly,
1: like, oh but it's wild. It's like, there's something of a shotgun going off. It's yeah. like, the I don't wanna do this anymore. Hands yeah. it back.
0: It's audible, sensory.
1: Something. So sensory. I had this little silenced 22 with a red dot on it. And I threw a bunch of ping pong balls out in the field and our first balloons. And then he started shooting those and it was like ka-ding ka-ding, 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 and all of them popped and there was that sensory like, ooh, he's was he was so like, daddy, can we do that again? Mean. And then it was balloons again, then it was ping pong balls. And then by the end of the day, he was going 10 for 10 jumping ping pong balls around the, this field. Wow. And now he calls it his gun he's like, daddy, can I go shoot my gun again? And I called Scott, I go, if I had to buy this gun every week, it would be worth it. Yeah. Right. It would be worth that because then my little seven-year-old is like, Oh, well he thinks it's cool. And so everyone just thinks it's the coolest thing in the world. It's best thing I've ever purchased. Yeah. And so now it's like, okay, now what's the next caliber uptick? You know, we go and run a five, five, six with a can on it. And you know, and that it's like, okay, if I could do that, he could hunt, you know? And so there's a couple bucks I've seen on our farm and I'm like, Hey, I'm kind of warming him up to him. i'm like hey would yeah. you want to kill a deer this year and he's like yeah i think so oh so i'm like okay, okay. all right We've made no. a lot of headway
0: in eight months We made,
1: yeah some headway but it was interesting it was i couldn't figure out what was doing it and it was literally that one where he had success he understood it because he didn't have to even get eye relief from mm. a scope it was just a little you know delta point Leopold wherever mm. the red dot was he got it i didn't have to like. There, there's nothing he could shoot at both eyes open like and mm. that was just I look back and go okay that was a godsend because it was just a very packageable thing that mm. a little kid could use and you have success and now we're gonna ramp it up from there but then so now all my kids are like I would you know, I told them the other day I was like hey do you want to hunt yeah daddy when, what seasons coming in now what's just like okay now we're working on it okay so,
0: that's good yeah what so, are your ages of your uh
1: so seven my girl is nine and my oldest is 11 that's perfect man so they are in the prime of their lives right yeah, now. yeah and now they're they're fishing I took them uh catfishing earlier this week and we got up we caught 46 catfish Dude, in half a day even. and so yeah and then they're learning to skin catfish and eat them and then we had them last night we did and we did fish and grits and the so whole deal good. oh and they were like this I is so yeah it's oh. great right yeah yeah we, we uh got butter cast iron pan blackened them and then knocked them on top of grits with onions and it. it was so oh good. my gosh it was amazing but Mouse then watering. the kids are like so pumped about it then i was like hey remember we had a great time fishing we got up early we did the hard thing we didn't want to do we went out we were prepared we did this remember how fun it was catching all the fish Mm. then we had to go home i know we were tired but we still had to hang that thing on a nail on a tree and skin it and fillet it and do all Mm. the stuff and here's what we get doesn't it feel good and because the, my two, my two boys and my cousin's boy, they caught all the fish and so none of the dads did. We just sat back and let them. Oh, do. so cool. So I was like, you guys did this. You supplied yeah. the family with this awesome food and we get yeah. to do this more often. And so, but it's, it's not void of work.
0: Yeah, you're connecting the dots for them. And then they're like, oh, this yeah, is a good process. This is, this is yeah.
1: great. And their, fav- and their favorite food is is, is deer tenderloin. And, mm. and so they go, they call it lean steak because my son hates fat. So he loves it how lean it is. And he's like, mm. "Daddy, we get more lean steak? And I go, I gotta go hunting. Like, you gotta go hunt. Someone has to go hunting. That just, we just don't get that. And so now he's like, okay, I kind of get this. Oh, that's cool. This is a part of the process now. So So that
0: was stuff he was reading? Yeah, it was
1: weird. So we got him, like they said, the Ranger Rick books, but I think they have a kind of a heavy, I hate to say liberal slant. Yeah. And more environmentalist versus conservationist. So it was like, we can't kill any animals. Too many animals are being killed or killed for their ivory and all Mm -hmm. this other stuff. And like, yeah, okay. The wild hogs aren't being killed for their like like let's be yeah. realistic about these these situations That's here. A good
0: tinder, yeah. yeah. It, it, tinder reading material. Yeah, just throw that in the fire. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. It's like all right, we're not going to get that one anymore. So how yeah. about some of those gun magazines and gun books? And so <laughs> so we're actually reading like uh, Archibald Rutledge, which is um who's a poet laureate from the late 1800s mm-hmm. in South Carolina that. He, he grew up on this this farm down in South Carolina and like wrote uh, one of my favorite books he, he wrote called The Woods and the Wild Things I Remember. Mm. And he's recounting his life in a, on a Southern, basically a plantation growing up and like all the crazy stuff that like kind of, you know, Mark Twain-ish.
0: Yeah, growing up in the South, that's, that's
1: yeah. that life. Yeah, that life. Yeah. And, and it's neat because like, he's literally, you know, hundred less than hundred miles from where we are. So like the similar swamps and the same kind Cane of poles. And, yeah. yeah. And so the kids, I read them that every night before we go to bed. Now they're kind of pumped up, like, you know, will I ever get to see an alligator? And I'm wow. like, well, daddy, just got alligator tag. You want to go alligator
0: hunting? And they're yeah. like, Ooh, like this is adventure. somebody just asked me to go alligator hunting really? uh, in Florida. You ever been? I've never been. I grew up in Daytona beach, Florida, yeah. and North Carolina, and split the difference between the two uh, I've never been. Yeah, never it's. Um, I heard it's pretty cool. I, I, I have eaten a lot of gator growing up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I, I just have never been.
1: Yeah, I haven't been in probably eight or nine years. Mm. Um, they did, South Carolina did not have an open season for gators for 67 years. from oh, wow. From the end of World War II up until about 2008. Yeah. So needless to say, we had a gazillion alligators that were huge, and they did open not season. care about people at all. Yeah. And they still only gave, they only put up for grabs a thousand tags so a hundred thousand alligators one percent they put up a lottery system a thousand tags forty percent success rate so we still only took out 400 alligators out of a hundred thousand so it's very mm-hmm. sustainable but the cool part was the first two or three years you talk about some freaking dinosaurs the monsters
0: and they monsters. and
1: it was just and they'd never been hunted wow so it was like you know you're just it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity yeah. and they're good
0: meat it's good meat oh my gosh
1: i mean the first yeah, cooking right but. yeah the, the ones we kill the first one i killed was 12 foot four and weighed over 600 pounds Oof. a lot of fat on them i mean yeah. we still ate them but it was not as optimal like i would probably an eight footer would be about perfect but yeah but it was cool because you couldn't fish for them because you know they do the hooks and the whole deal where we had to hunt for them that was how the, the shoot them you had to shoot them with something that attaches them to the boat so you couldn't shoot a rifle you had to shoot a bow, crossbow, or harpoon. Wow. So you got to get in on them. So it was like- Harpoon, huh? Harpoon. So That's a good reason
0: to buy a harpoon. <laughs> that's
1: a wonderful reason to buy a harpoon. So Pops is the only person I know that's ever harpooned one on the first gig. Meaning, wow. so usually we'll shoot them with a crossbow or a bow. we'll put a float on it. So you chase the float down, yeah. you work your way. And as soon as you could get it up, you try to build a harpoon with a big rope and then you can kind of horse them. You can't really horse a 600 pound alligator. You could just yeah. keep up with him. And then bang stick him you know so it's a it's a pretty big ordeal and you're Sounds doing like it at night. Oh, so it's, it's wild. making me hungry it's super fun but pop <laughs> somehow got in on like a 12 footer and harpoon him like the first shot with a harpoon and like that is a whole different animal i could imagine what like the old dudes that were wailing must oh have felt gosh, like man because when you hit them i mean you feel that big i mean they're just a Giant bicep, right? Yeah. They're just a yeah. giant muscle, and you just feel whoa, whoa, whoa. You know this thing moves, and it's like that stick is moving. You're like, dude, this is wild. <laughs> or they go under the boat, and you hear them. You hear the the scoots go click, 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 like under the aluminum boat. Yeah, so you're like, okay, these are big. You know, yeah. there's tails out that way, it eat heads you out that way. Yeah, and you're just like, yeah. this is wild. So it's just a fun adventure. You go out at night. You sneak up on them. A lot there. of it's done at night, right? Yeah, because because you could use a light. And you see their orange eyes. Yeah. Otherwise, they're really tough to get on in daylight. I mean, they kind of know you're there. They're just more open. To, you know, now they're so smart. Like I got a tag for this year, and I'm kind of like, mm. I mean, I'm going to go, but it's like It's tough. It's it's a tough hunt now because all the big ones are either dead or they all moved to the sanctuaries because they're like, yeah, we're not good. We're just like big deer, right? Yeah, they yeah. get shot up for a while. They're like, anyway, I'm going to the to go. And the second you hit them with a the light, their heads go down. I mean, they uh, they've just learned. They know now. Whereas the first year, they'd hear the waves on the boat and they would think it's another bull gator coming in, and they'd come to you, and they would breathe in, they and they'd float up out of the water and they put their tail up, and, you're and like, you had
0: to pick a the litter. Yeah, and you're like, this is awesome, and they're wow. just
1: these big just. Dinosaurs. dinosaurs and it was super cool but you know yeah
0: like anything it I, i'm interested in because in, uh, you're talking about the the dinosaurs and uh, your diet seems to be lean game meat generally yes Wait, let's talk about um you're on carnivore here, now i am and it's cha- like i've done key, i've done it all right sure and in the military i actually used to do a carnivore-ish diet okay and i was just in my prime I and mean, i just was really good but i could i could get away with a lot you know my 20s well sure Spending you know, 8 million calories yeah 225 and burning i could eat whatever i wanted so. yeah and how old are you now 43 43 got it I'll be 44 soon and um so what is your physical fitness routine because i see you doing a lot of Functional fitness mm-hmm. and focused on mobility more so, <laughs> more so than I used to. Than than you for used sure. to, yeah. And then, what's your diet like?
1: Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I go protein heavy. I kind of like tear it. Um, I have tried intermittent fasting. For me, it does not work well. I have to take on calories, and maybe it's just being a thrower that was. You all get in. a lot of
0: muscle too. You got to feed that.
1: Yeah. yeah, and that's where I feel. I just don't. F- I don't. My my muscles die down, and and I as a thrower that was always undersized, I was used to eating three and four and five, well, four and five meals a day. Yeah. So like intermittent fasting for me, my body's like, yeah, screw that. That ain't yeah. a thing. So um, get up, I mean, I get up, I do, I am on thyroid medication, which is great. If you need it, test it, get it done. That changes the game. Um, yeah. First thing, water, thyroid, Next thing, uh, I'll go usually anywhere from four to six eggs, so protein heavy. I'm okay with fat, protein and fat I'm good with. Yeah. Maybe some avocado on top or, you know, three quarters of a pound of chicken or some venison or just usually always carb and a little bit of fat, coffee, and that's it until one-ish one o'clock so I I found I could run really good on that if I take carbs on I feel pretty good right away and then I feel like crap same Uh, so um, lunch usually double meats and and some you know chicken whatever I'm not as worried about lean it's just then it goes into you know, root vegetable c- carbs, you know, stay away from breads, a little bit of rice is fine. And then in the evening, I'll, I'll load it a little bit heavier. But I, I felt the best, honestly, when I would eat at noon, I'd eat second lunch at 330. And then I would eat like a semi normalish dinner. dinner. Um, and just I would just kind of ramp my carbs up closer to Almost like a reverse carb loading, like towards yeah. the in, evening, where I'd be more catabolic during the night and be recovered because I would train in the evening. Yeah, and you burn so,
0: that at night. You wake up com,
1: coming off a of training, right? Yeah. And I know Rudy Reyes that he he used to he was I know you know Rudy. Yeah, and Rudy was hilarious. Like where that, is Rudy? I haven't seen him. He's like in, in, in he lives in my hometown now. What? Yeah, he lives like three miles. Oh, he down married now. that gal. Yeah, yeah, he and Jade they live in Lexington. Yeah, now. that's so right. So they're always out at the farm and goofing around. Oh, and really stuff. cool. But I think he's like in. Or something right now. Like he's doing all these shows, like he's all over the map. Oh, okay. With yeah. the, with the, the um, movies and shows, whatever. Yeah. But I learned from him, like he wouldn't eat forever during the day and then he would eat like a pretty good, like regular meal. Yeah. And then at night, holy cow, that cat would stay over my house and he would bomb like entire, like Valentine's Day chocolates. like two in the morning like you go in his room and he had like the little foils would be everywhere and they were just like oh my
0: gosh and he burned all that up and sleep yeah
1: and i think it really boiled down to like a like a reverse carb loading where he would when he was most anabolic coming where he needed to be anabolic he was ramping up the carb
0: super high yeah and that helped his recovery and
1: he would help his recovery he would get super lean it was just like how is that working i noticed
0: that too when i eat late at night like last night i ate pretty late i had uh, elk and not a bad thing elk a little bit of um arugula mm-hmm. and some hard cheese yeah and it was perfect meal. perfect was yeah really I was about good. To say, like so it doesn't get better than that and then and then um i did some yogurt before i went to bed like greek yogurt greek yogurt same couple blueberries <laughs> dude. And, and dude, dude and i woke up and i was like dang i'm i'm feeling lean and
1: i'm yes. like how the hell does that work dude that's pretty much what i do i Crazy. hammer yeah the the exactly greek yogurt blueberries raspberries i found strawberries don't work for me well gastric
0: uh pineapple no yeah and so i've kind of just boiled down blueberries blackberries what are you doing for veggies i don't do any veggies besides i can do arugula but any other veggies kind of screws me up a little really
1: uh brussels a decent amount squash oh brussels green beans
0: yeah, that's some Southern stuff.
1: Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and then some uh, like sweet potatoes or like mixed potatoes, I'm okay with. Um, do, you have a
0: cheat week, do you have a cheat day during your week or a meal where you just eat what you
1: want? Yeah, I don't watch it super, super close. I just kind of like, just make sure nothing gets out of hand. If mm-hmm. it's almost like even the training, I kind of call it like the, it sounds so stupid, but like if I'm really hitting hard, like life hard, I'm generally my training is and everything is wild right yeah so it's almost like the i call it the coyote workout where mm. like you know a coyote will eat as much as he possibly can because he doesn't know when the next meal's coming yeah. feast and famine <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so it's like okay i have today i'm going to train as much as i possibly can because for the next three days i don't know what's going to happen yeah And like for today like i was up at 3 30 eastern i won't train today i won't train tomorrow i'm traveling all day sunday so i know i got three days of i'll get Now, if I could sneak a workout in, maybe, like, if you're like, hey, you want to go train? Like, yeah, sure. Yeah. But most likely it's not happening. And one of my best friends and mentor, Derek Woodski, I asked him, I was like, how do you, how do you, what do you do when you have to travel for three days? He's like, overtrain the few days before, so you need the three days. To recover. And I was just like, well, that's so stupid simple. Yeah. So I hit it hard, like, three days in a row, which I'll rarely do three in a row yeah and I just got myself where I feel like crap and then so I'll need the three days of hydration and eating yeah so you kind of just game the system a little bit but like sometimes my food is you know again talking to my son I asked him one day we're I was driving in and I try to like speak pretty transparently and openly and like communicate with him I was like hey man when do you feel most loved from me you know and he was like when you tell me you tell me you love me i said how do you he goes what do you mean i said well how do you know i love you he goes because you tell me all the time i go okay well i said then let me think of a different way to put this i said what is your favorite time with daddy i was like okay good questions because i'm because that's how he says love right yeah, yeah, like yeah that's how he would think it yeah you know 11 year old doesn't know how you speak love right yeah and he said when you wrestle with me uh-huh. and when we have donut talks wild thing is we only did donut talks twice
0: interesting
1: for totally forgot about it and what he was had a little issue a little problem some kids said something to him in school or like made him feel bad and he wouldn't talk about it and finally I was like hey I was like hey buddy grab what donut I'm gonna grab a donut let's go meet in my room we have a little couch in there I was like let's just go talk and we went in there and we ate our donuts and we talked and then finally I got it out of him what the issue was and then like, a couple of days later, he had something, He's like, hey, daddy, can we grab some donuts and like go to the, there and talk? So now he associates. Associates, like we yeah. could have transparent conversations. And the, yeah. it's only he and I, and this is guy talk, and you could bring up anything you want, but we're going to eat a donut when we do it. Yeah. And so, like, I was thinking about it. I was like, cheat meal, cheat meal goes out of the. If, if it's donut talk time, whatever yeah like, like it's like no that's the time when to yeah do it. i don't eat carbs like no bro like yeah we, we my gotta, life isn't so dialed in same. that i can't have a donut yeah, with much, my son like yeah same you know so that's kind of
0: or if, and i'll crush that donut
1: And i'll crush the crush. donut and we'll have these like because you're building core memories and you're also building like how he views communication with his dad if i had to eat a cake like we're going to do that yeah like, that's fine or if the wife is like Hey, will you come down into the dock and watch the sunset and drink a glass of wine with me? Mm.
0: Yes, yeah. yes is the, the answer. answer. Is always yes.
1: The answer is yes. Yeah. My life is not so precision that I'm that I will fail to do those things when the opportunities yeah. come up. And
0: so, a lot of people have that they just won't compromise. And it's like, uh, man, that's tough. That's it's uh, tough. It's
1: great if you can. My question is just, what are you giving away? Yeah, a lot. I what are you giving away? Because really, yeah. if I'm, I'm making up numbers now, if I'm 12.0% body fat, is that really different than if I was 12.1?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm not vain enough to matter. It doesn't matter. No yeah. one's paying me to do any of that. Like, I'm not competing.
0: Yeah health and wellness is important, but so I know I, yeah, I memories. know I generally, eat yeah. well,
1: I generally weightlift as much as I can. I do functional movements to try to I call it, keep the old man away. Yeah. You know, I'll be 47 this year. So it's like, how do I do as many things to stay as mobile as possible? Because I had kids later in life, probably like you did. Yeah. So I want to die a young man a long time from now. Yeah. You know? And so like, I want to do a lot of things with them. I, I want, I think Huberman said it, no, was it Atia said the other day, it was really interesting. He talked about how you're old or young and he said old or he says when you're young is, are you still looking forward to something? Mm. And old is you're only looking back of -hmm. what you did, meaning you're not looking forward to anything more. And that's when you become old. Yeah. And so I was like, Oh yeah, I have all kinds of stuff I want to do. Yeah. And so, cool i'm just 46 years whatever you want to call it. i don't care anymore
0: yeah like you'll never be old
1: i'll never be old as long as i have dreams and things i want to do so now the goal is like how do i optimize the space i'm taking up right now in life but then also i want to go on an kind of the deseret with my kids in 25 years when i'm 70 okay that's a goal so i need yeah. to be functional and able to do it i want to I want to do all these amazing things for as long as I possibly can. That is the the crux of my training and my everything because again, I feel like in some ways I kind of stole from my kids by having them late and I don't want to be that dad that at fifty two like oh no, you go do it can't yeah, can't do that anymore and you know and that that I feel like I'll be stealing our relationship in many ways and and it's kind of like what my dad did with me years ago. Like, he never threw the football with me, never threw baseball, all the stuff that a lot of dads do. And and at first I was kind of like, what the heck, you know? And then one day he told me, he's like, he goes, I take you hunting, I take you fishing, I teach you how to lift weights and camping and survival stuff. He goes, because even if you were really good at baseball or football, you're probably not going to do it a day after you're 18.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. And yeah, he goes the, the real talk the real yeah. talk
1: and he goes and if that's what we build our relationship on i lose you at 18. interesting i was like he goes but i have Hunt a forever he goes i have a hunting partner for the rest of my life I oh have my god. partner for the rest of my life that's some good dad and he advice. goes i see you in the gym every day wow he goes i get to have i you. will never
0: throw a baseball with my child again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i was but i'm like man you figured that out he goes yeah he goes I just didn't see how there was a sustainable model for us to build a relationship on something that I'm not doing anymore, and good chance you're not gonna do it after 18. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Pretty crazy, and we spend a week together every year still in uh, Missouri hunting together. We'll usually go on another big hunt every year. We talk about it, strategize about it all the time. He'll come to my office, he's like, hey man, you gonna hunt this afternoon? I was like, yeah, he goes, all right, well,
0: come by, swing by my house, pick me up. dude." I, I do not want to lose that with my kids. And so many right. kids, so many parents nowadays are like, when you're 18, you're out of the house. It's like, what kind of help? I want my kids there forever. Right? Like, why would you want why your would kids? You, yeah. yeah, I exactly. wow, It's
1: wild. And so, you know, it's kind of interesting. I read the other day and again, I'll, I'll get the numbers wrong, but it was like by 10 years old, they said you have, will have spent 90% of the time you'll ever spend with your kids by the time they're 10. Wow. Most people. That ain't me. Right? And I thought about it. Well. My mom and dad were divorced. I live with my mom. I've spent 90% of the time with my dad since I was 15. Yeah. I see him every day almost. Wow. We go on hunts all the time. We, yeah. we lifted. I mean, I've, we've, I've, we've lifted together or beside each other eight gillion times, you know? So cool. And so we've seen each other at our best, at our worst. We've, we've, you know, he's helped me drag out a zillion bucks. I've done the same for him. I put him in a million stands. Like, and I'm like, man, how brilliant was that planning? Brilliant. I mean. That's
0: the best advice I've ever heard.
1: Strangely so, right? Like in some ways. Because. Incredible. You know, and then like he was a big gun collector. So then so am I. And so yeah. now it's like, we trade guns back and forth and we always laugh. We always go, Hey, they're yours anyway. Yeah. You know, you know, and he's always like, it's Hey, yeah. he's like, you want to trade this for this? He's like, you know, you're getting them all anyway. I was like, yeah, same. If I die, you're getting them all anyway. Oh, and you like, can cool, use them whenever you want. He's like, all right. He's like, then he'll, 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 we'll make a big deal of it. He'll come. He's like, all right, I have a colt Python and I'll trade you for blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I was like, all right, and I'll come to office next day I'll lay it on his desk and then like, <laughs> it's That's just so dumb funny. yeah it's just funny could you funny. grab
0: it out of his safe anytime, anytime you like
1: either, either way and he knows come over and grab it I was like here's the safe thing. come over That's but so it's awful. just fun but like that was some of those things I was like okay that was a really brilliant thing that he did and so I look at my kids and go how do we build that like lifelong stuff that is you know that they want to come back I don't care if it's, if they get into duck hunting then we're a duck hunt I don't yeah. care I don't really care too much about duck hunting my kids fell in love with this year yeah Okay, then we're going to duck hunt. If that yeah. if that's what'll make you get up early in the morning with me, and, and wear, wear face paint, yeah, and get muddy and stuff like that, yeah, let's do that.
0: I'm doing motorcycles with my kids right now, and they love oh, it. Oh, so. for sure. If I could ride bikes with my kids for a long time, it'd be fun.
1: Right, and yeah, you can. Yeah. Right. There's no age out of that, and that that's where I I love like sports sports. I mean, heck, that's why I make the majority of my money off of yeah. sports sports. But I also see the the potential downside of it. Because yeah. you know, if you're really good, you get to play. If you're good, you get to play till you're 18. If you're really good, you get to play till you're 22. If yeah. you're super, 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 super good, and by the way, that's like out of this much, you get to yeah. do it afterwards. And by the way, when you're playing the NFL, your
0: dad ain't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Derek Wolf retired at 30 years old, and now he's like, <laughs> I got a whole life to live.
1: Right exactly Crazy. yeah so that that was um that was, that's just some stuff i don't know i know i, I talked it. a lot no it's good
0: <laughs> we got to go out and see these uh, students and then i, I want to teach them about struggling well let's do a yeah. talking with them yeah that'd talk be awesome to the rewilding students perfect um where can people find all the things that you're doing and then what services and products do you provide
1: okay so yeah we build weightlifting equipment <laughs> yeah. um so X you can check out on instagram sorenx.com um, we do home gyms, we do majority, we do college football, professional sports, military organizations. Um, we also have Sorenx Outdoors, which is Instagram. We're gonna be doing some more programming. We're doing a shoot to eat challenge right now. It's gonna start August 1st through 15th. The idea is you get up in the morning, you take your bow, or if you have enough of a space to do a rifle, you, put, you have a target that starts the first day at a difficult range and you do a cold bore shot, cold, not warmed up within the first 10 minutes of you being awake. And if you make the shot, you reward yourself with your breakfast or your next meal <laughs> and you post it. And so there's a social pressure. I'm going to do that. It's awesome. When is it? August 1st? August 1st 15? through 15th. I'm down. And I have some extra, some special stickers. So if okay. you if you hit the kill zone, yeah. you eat. And if you don't, you starve. Done. And, done. and so the part, well, I'm I doing it.
0: that and rewilding with my students. Perfect. And so they don't know that, but yeah, uh, so we'll, we'll even <laughs> yeah.
1: do some, so the kind of, I did it two years ago and it was really interesting because a few days I, and so if you hit, you add a yard the next day. So everything Ooh. always gets harder. Start at a yard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it always gets harder, but what it was teaching me, because back when I was throwing hammer, I don't get a second, but when I was throwing hammer, um, I, I had a couple meets that things didn't go well and the the warm ups and things like that. So when I got, I wasn't prepared and I had to tr- train myself to be able to go, no, dude, you have to be able to throw a mark to make finals
0: mm.
1: with a 10 minute advance notice. Yeah. Like you need to know how to do this crap out of your pocket at yeah. any point. So it was set alarms different times a day. You have one hour to get to the track, warm up, do whatever you got to do. And you got to yeah. throw a throw far enough to make nationals right now. Because mm. then... Confidence wise after a while, you're like, I got that in my pocket any day of the mm. week. So there's the training mindset and there's competition mindset, mm. two different things. So this is more of a competition mindset thing of, I want to know that I can make a hard shot. I could wake up. I could be stiff. I could be tired. I could feel like shit. I could be cold and I could still pull a 76 pound bow back within 10 minutes of waking up with no nutrition, no warm up, and long bomb a shot and put a kill shot on something every day of the week. Mm. because when I'm sitting in Missouri on day seven and it's eight degrees out and I haven't pulled my bow back in seven days because mm. I've been sitting 14 hour days and a buck of a lifetime walks by, as you will know the stress inoculation, not only physical, mental, but emotional. Yeah. I want to know that, no, this is just what I do. Yeah. I, I put shots down range. And so, but also know that if I succeed, it just got harder. Yeah. It'll keep getting harder. And if I fail, I have that reminder of I have to break my cadence. I don't get to go inside and eat six eggs and coffee Mm. and I'm pissed off. And I need that and I need (laughs) it. And so now I it it pays to be a winner. Yeah. And now I get to go home and be mad. And I missed I did it two years ago and I missed two shots in about 30 days. And you talk about pissed off. Yeah. Because as I saw it, I go, you're such a beep that you couldn't focus for 10 seconds. Yeah. You had only one job was to focus and hold that focus and get the job done. You had all the time in the world to do it, but you couldn't hold it together for 10 seconds. You have to be better than that. Mm. You cannot lose focus on this. This is that important. Mm. And I remember that shot, I broke it. I was like here, 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 here. And I was like, got it. And right as the pin started moving off, I was like, no, I think I still got it. And I just shot and I go, you dumbass. Mm. You know, you didn't have it and you just, shot it anyway you yeah. shouldn't it. and i was like no you should have restarted it you should have done your shot process but i was rewarded by not eating and it was on instagram live so everyone got to see me miss and then so there's the social like hey you suck and and then the rest of the day your your body chemistry's a little off your your <laughs> tempo's off you're, you're not op- optimal you're not optimal but you talk about that evening's training yeah holy crap there was mm. some focus there and that next morning i was like the terminator i woke up I was like <laughs> And it was like laser focused. I walked was like,
0: Pap! and just, Aah! yeah. And then, drink this coffee.
1: Yeah, exactly. But it was like, oh wow. Like things just got real. Yeah. And so like, that was the thing I experienced was like, oh, you kind of want to taste some blood in your mouth every once in a while. Yeah. And go, I just got my ass kicked.
0: August 1st
1: through 15th. 1st through 15th. Shoot to eat challenge. So what we're doing is, so people post it, tag shoot to eat, do this tag next outdoors. And we're giving away, we, we partnered with, um, with uh, clean eats, which is a franchise company. They send pre-made healthy meals. Mm-hmm. So they're going to do 30 meals, 30 breakfast meals to the, like whoever they pick as the winner of like. Oh, cool. So yeah, so if you, if again, pays to be a winner, you do a really good job, you hit some good shots, you do some good content. It's 30
0: days or twenty fifteen? It's
1: 15 days, but they'll yeah. give you 30 days of meals. Oh yeah. Sent to you. So it's kind of cool. That's really And cool. Uh, the idea is just get people focus every day. You've got to be tested every day. Yep. Are you doing it or are you not? Don't miss any days. And and just pull your shit together for one shot. I love it, man. And and if you if you fail, that's a really good really good message. And if you made it. It's going to get harder tomorrow. I so love that.
0: Sorenx.com.
1: Sorenx.com is the website. Sornex on Instagram. Sornex Outdoors on Instagram. Bert Soren, B-E-R-T-S-O-R-I-N on Instagram. I'm on Facebook too, but I don't, that's like for people in my high school checking on me. Yeah. My mom. <laughs>
0: we'll make sure we hide that, that link down below. All right, Bert, thanks for being on yeah, the brother, podcast. Thank, thank I you for having you, man. me, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for everything you Thanks, doing. guys. Appreciate it.